I really like my new AirPods. Shut it. (laughs) (laughs) They're really super nice. The greatest thing about them is that when you double tap them, they are so reliable that a they they're they're reliable in that they start doing it like a half second later instead of like two seconds later. Nice. So you know when it didn't work very very quickly, and it almost always works. So that's been really really nice. And hey, assistant has worked great, and it's really I love it because it ducks the audio when you do mm. it on your AirPods. Like like a like a like you do with the Echo Assistant, I have it in the room here, so I can't say. Right. The, well, HomePod be- behaves the she, same way. She she shall shall not be named. Right, right, right. So you know what that's like when, and I don't understand why the phone can't do that. I mean, it seems yeah. like it should be able to do that because it's so much nicer of an experience, especially when you're playing music and you want to tell it a next song to play. It's totally just a total bummer when you do it on your phone. And it just stops your music, waits yeah. to listen to you, then tells you, yeah, I'll put that on next. And then it's like five, ten seconds later whenever <laughs> Siri just cares about not, not being up on your screen. Now she'll be like, okay, now back to the music, you know. So it's one of the things I love most about the watch, actually. Because um, even back before I had CarPlay, then I would I would use my watch in the car. I just like Bluetooth my phone into the stereo system. And I would use my watch to like set up up next. And I didn't have to stop the music or anything to do that because it was playing on my phone, not my watch. So I enjoyed speaking that. Of, speaking of watches. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i part of the, the Series 4 club now. Yeah. What do you think about that Series 4? Man, let me tell you, Philip. It is amazing. I mean, so you went from Series 1, right? You went from series one to series four, which I'm sure was a was a big difference even then. But you know what yes, the series zero, huge. you know what the series zero used to feel like. Let alone you went from Watch OS four to Watch OS five. Yes, yes. Which I don't, I, I'm not sure how much of a difference I've noticed with that because I'm not. I wouldn't have even known what I was missing. You know what I mean. It's true. So I I don't I don't know if some of it's some of the new things are because of, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand the new hardware and and the you know watchOS five but yes um it's wow it is so fast <laughs> the the first time that I went uh, to do a workout and I it, it didn't take twenty seconds to load was just it was like the gates of watch heaven opened and <laughs> God's light shone down upon my wrist. It just, this, this newer hardware coupled with the software. Cause that, that's the story of Apple. Right. And they even said it, we're going to talk about WWDC in, in, a, in a little bit, but right from the start of that, they, they said hardware, software, and services. Right. I feel like this new hardware, it just, it makes the vision of the watch shine because everything just works so much better all the all the ideas were there in in watch os 4 for me uh, as a series zero user but because the hardware is so much better 
and it all works so much faster and, and so much more seamlessly. It just makes that whole concept of everything at a glance on your wrist. It it just makes it work finally. It like it just has clicked for me, and I, I've realized how how much I do enjoy the watch, and uh, how I kind of think I took it for granted a little bit because I waited so long to upgrade that I I just didn't even know what I was missing. You talked about using Siri on your watch. That was just never a thing that I ever did because it was just way, way too slow. The only time I would engage it would be when it would just accidentally be engaged on my on my watch. You know, I'd feel a tap and it would be like, I'll, I'll alert you when I'm ready. And I'm like, well, I didn't even want you, so just shut up. Um, but it is great. This whole raise to Siri thing with, with uh, Siri. Is that, is that exclusive to Series 4? I know it's a watch OS 5 thing, but I don't know how far back that goes. No, I think it's a Series 2 and up, if I remember correctly. Well, it's great. I, I mean, I'm using Siri so much more this last year with getting a HomePod and and now with the watch than, than I've ever used it. I just never really cared to use it on my phone. Um, and I'm sure that if if I had new AirPods, I would I would use it there too. But just man, that having that experience at your at, on your wrist, like if if your hands aren't free and you're you're doing something, but you need to like I needed to send Brittany a message, but my hands were were full the other day. I just just raised my wrist and said text Brittany. You, and the fact that you don't even have to say the keyword to engage it that's what's so next level to me is that that little interaction, which can make you feel a little silly, especially if you're in a public area, just removing that little barrier has made me want to use it even more. And I just, I'm I'm so happy with this watch and this software. And then the new things that are coming to watch OS S6, which you know we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, it's just, it's a great time to have these watches. I really believe that. Well, it also not having to say the keyword papers over the enormous oversight from Apple that your HomePod tries to handle everything that you yes. ever say anywhere near it, right? And you would ask it the HomePod to send a message and it'd be like, that, "That's not something I can do. Sorry about that." <laughs> right. Well, and that's why I turned it off on my my phone as well because that whole experience of being at home. And trying to, I just, it, it never worked how I wanted it to because I would try and engage it on my phone, but then the HomePod would try and jump in. And yeah, you're right. I mean, just removing that little uh, awkward interaction has made it so much better. So I'm I'm just fully on board. And I, I know there's probably limitations on what Siri can do on the watch versus you know, if I was just exclusively doing it on the phone, I don't know what those are, but I'm sure there there are some things. But for the main things I would use it for, I think just doing it on the watch is probably where I'm going to live most of my, my Siri experience. You can't create a genius playlist or like what's called create a station in Apple Music with the watch. And it's the dumbest thing in the world. And I really need them to fix that. But... um. The Raise to Speak is actually Series 3 and up. 
looking back at the watchOS 5 page from last year. And honestly, the biggest thing here that I think is great to have is what you have in iOS 12, which is the multiple notifications roll up, especially with messages. Because when you would just get like message after message after message and you pull down your notification center on your watch, you're just like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And now, you know, it, it wraps them all up into one and you can tap it to fan them out, right? Yeah, and just every interaction is so much faster now. And and maybe that wasn't as noticeable. I'm sure it had to have been noticeable even from the Series 1 mm-hmm. or Series 2 up to Series 4, but <laughs> going from the going from the OG Series 0 to the Series 4, I was just amazed at how fast it it is and I feel like, you know, I got almost 4 years out of that Series 0. I just I feel like based on how good this hardware is, um, I, I feel like, and, and you know, I, I, I splurged a little bit. I got the stainless steel, so I've got the, the, you know, the, the slightly better screen. I just feel like I can extend this one even further, um, because the hardware is so good. Uh, and I'm excited about that because this is something that, and I told you when I finally made the decision and got it, I was a little sad because it was like I'd spent so much time. I I was really thinking about this. In terms of mobile Apple devices, I spent more time with that watch than any other Apple device that I've had like that. Any other iPad, any other phone. You know, the longest I would keep a phone is two years. And iPads, they kind of just come and go, right, with with either work or I get one, but then it ends up being Britney's or the kids or something. Um, that watch, I mean, I had it for almost four years. I've never had a mobile Apple device that I've interacted with every day for that long. And it was, I felt kind of weird when it was time to, you know, I knew the new one was coming in the next day. I was like, what, what do I do with this thing? I, I felt like I was betraying it, but uh, I quickly got over that when I when I put this new one on. It's so nice. Yeah, I guess I, I did quite a bit. Take it in two steps. I, I'd say that the series one had a good bit faster app launches. Siri wasn't really too much better. It was still really really hit or miss. Like sometimes Siri would be decently responsive, and sometimes Siri would just tell you maybe I'll do it in thirty seconds, maybe a minute. Nah. Not now, not not now, um, but now and in the series four, it's it's much much more reliable. Speaking of your AirPods, I also got some new headphones, uh, but they weren't AirPods. Got a little uh, work related expense, uh, I guess, just last week. I got these Sony. I, the name is so ridiculous that I, I, every time I say it, I'm like, is that really the name? This Sony WH-1000MX3s. It's a really dumb name. Oh, yeah. Terrible name. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know the WH-1000MX3s. Yeah, right. I mean, who doesn't? They're, it just rolls off the tongue. Um, these are Sony's, basically their Bose com- competitor in that 350 range. They were on sale. Uh, I... I I got the Sony's instead of the Bose. A few a few reasons. I I really like the design better. I like the the matte black finish better than the Bose. Um, I didn't really want physical buttons on them. The Bose, you, they have physical buttons to like 
change the volume and advance and all that stuff. Uh, this on one one uh, um, one of the ears, it's got touch interactions, which are very similar. I'm I'm bringing this up because they are very similar to the AirPods, but I actually it's not as an awkward of an experience with these because they're over the ear instead of in the ear. The tap to to pause and play is is a much um, it's still a little bit awkward experience, but it's not near as jarring as, and it never really bothered me as much with the AirPods, but I know for some people that tap in the ear is really, it's somewhat painful for some, for some folks. Uh, is, has that ever been a problem for you? So my AirPods are a lot more comfortable in my left ear than my right ear, just cause ears are different. And um, that's just the case. Um, and I've gotten pretty used to how to tap them in a gentle way that still works. I mean, it definitely took some getting used to. And especially, I, I feel like the first generation really, I think it was more the software, maybe even than the hardware. Um, the, that when you first got the AirPods, like it was, it, to me, it was like, I had to like focus on like how quickly I was tapping and to make sure I was tapping like the right, spot like i couldn't just just be going about my work and then go oh i need to pause bang bang you know and i can do that now um but i, I almost always tap my left one just because um it's a little more comfortable than the than the right one i i kind of i i have to get the right one in there i, I can almost always do it just in the right spot and then i, I don't really want to move it or it'll just like hit a little part of my ear that's a little less comfortable my left one i can put it in in all sorts of ways so i usually tap it the other thing about these Sony's is that they have beyond just the the tap to to play and pause the ability to swipe to advance forward, swipe back to advance backward. Um I, I think there's even more interactions with that that you can like uh, I think the uh swiping up raises the volume, swiping down brings it down. Which I can't remember if the AirPods if if these new AirPods have any more interactions besides just the the tap to play. I know there's been before they came out, you know, speculation was maybe they would have some more features like that. Um, but it just, it, it's such a, it makes more sense on these bigger headphones because you've got so much more surface area to do it. And, and it not, not to have to be so precise with getting it to work well, but I'll tell you, man, as great as these headphones are and they are great, they're, they're really good. The AirPods have absolutely ruined me when it comes to connecting to devices and easily switching between devices. That whole experience, which Apple can nail because they can they can do custom things with the software and hardware together that other manufacturers aren't going to have access to in iOS. Man, it's such a good experience. And I'm telling you switching between devices with these these Sony's it's miserable because you can only have one connection at a time and the only way to connect to another device like perfect example for me is I would uh come to work late at night to work out I would take my I'd be listening to podcasts on my phone as I'm walking in but then once I get to the elliptical I want to switch to the iPad and start watching something right and that's just such an easy thing to do with the AirPods. I mean, 
because of because it syncs with your iCloud uh, anywhere you know anywhere you're signed in with with your iCloud. It just is easy. It's go to Control Center, switch over, boom, you're done. Um, it's going to get even easier in uh, in iOS 13 when they add these quick actions from the uh, like on the Bluetooth uh, in Control Center. I can't wait for that. That's going to be great, and and like the Wi-Fi too. But man, it sucks with with just regular Bluetooth headphones because I have to disconnect. It, it, I have to disconnect from my phone before I can connect to the iPad. It's so frustrating. It's really crazy how arcane it is. Um, and I mean, that's how it just always was before the W1 chip, uh, you know, from, from Apple. And now they have the H1 chip, of course. But um, I, it's crazy to me that that it just used to always be that way for everything. And we still use like all sorts of Bluetooth stuff, but we just didn't know how good it could be, right? Um, I mean, it's interesting you say that because I've... Uh, really thought about getting the the beats studio threes which have the w1 chip in them um and blair actually has a, a pair of the beats um what are they called they're uh i don't remember what they're called they're like beats the power something. pro or they're like they're like on uh power beats no they're not power beats they're like on-ear headphones um they're they're between the the power beats in-ear headphones and the studio threes which are the noise canceling ones so they're in between there she got them she got them for free when she bought her MacBook as part of the little student deal that they do during the summer. And uh, those have the W1 chip in them. So, I mean, it's it's super nice, especially when you have like different types of headphones around that they're all in iCloud and you can just go right between. Because, I mean, otherwise it'd be a total pain to like stop using one pair of headphones, start using the other pair of headphones, but you got to find the device that's connected to. Oh, gosh. To disconnect it. It's a mess. So I, I will say that at this point, I think I'm going to wait until um, until they come out with an updated Beats noise-canceling pair that has the H1 chip in it. Um, or the, or the W. I, I don't know. Because you know how good it is with your AirPods. It's, it's, it's a lot better oh, yeah. connecting, right? I mean. Oh, yeah. I You're going to laugh at me, but I... Re- as great as these are, and they're perfect for being at work, and and I've I've been listening to so much more music now. It's it's really killed my podcast queue. I've gotten I've gotten just absolutely brutal with my podcast queue. Just I'm like I'm not gonna listen to that. It's gone, you know. And I'm just I'm just I have to I have to get that brutal with it. Um, and and they're really good for recording voiceover, which is why really why I bought them. Um. But even with that, yeah, I'm yeah, like, government. That's why he bought them. Yes, yes. Uh, my LLC needed them for voiceover. Exactly. It's true, though. That is uh, that was the that was I, the primary reason. It's legit. Uh, You're right. And as with all that, I still think. Am I crazy for thinking that there's still a place for for AirPods in my life? I I don't know your life, and you should live your life as as previously discussed on this podcast. But it sounds it sounds like, for the most part, you're, you're all right with these. I mean, I guess at home, when you're just around the house, it's re- that's, that's where great, it is, man. That's a great place for the AirPods. I will say, speaking of the the touch controls and being able to go forward and back and, and volume, I always thought it was pretty ridiculous that it seems like Apple's case is, well, just use your taps for one thing, and then just anything else, then you just you know, uh, hey assistant for it. But I will say I was washing the dishes earlier and I needed it a little bit louder because I turned on the water. And so I just said, 
you know, hey, turn the volume up and then I turn the volume up. And then I reached a ad break in ATP and I've set up a, a shortcut, um, Overcast Next Chapter, that just takes you to the next chapter in your Overcast playlist and uh, Overcast, po- Overcast Podcasts. And so I just said, you know, hey, Assistant, Overcast Next Chapter, and it just hopped right over that ad break and on to the next topic. So it, it does work really well. That is the, the other positive thing out of the just long list of positive things about upgrading to this this new watch is that I, I can finally use the uh, the Overcast app again on my watch ah, because yeah. it was it was not uh, Overcast 5.0 or whatever it was was not available on uh, well because it didn't it doesn't have the volume did it, was it available at all it wasn't available at all in WatchOS 4 okay on oh, Series Zero it may you, have been you updated on, on your phone yeah. Yeah. yeah, but glad to have it back. I I thought, and, and maybe you know because you've been using it a lot more than me, I, I was hopeful that the Watch app would have chapter support, like being able to advance chapters from from yeah. the Watch. I can't find out how to do that. Well, then you know how. Then you know what you need to do. I don't. <laughs> you just gotta push. You gotta push as hard as possible on that watch. You gotta you gotta force press. Really? That's where, that- that's where it is. Oh, if you don't know where it is, then it's always in the force press menu. Man, so just right on, just right on the app. The, the right the on app, the app, you, you, just- got, you got the play and you're back 15 seconds and you're forward 30 seconds if you're sane. Um, is that is that what you have forward and back? Yes. Okay. Good. Good. Because otherwise we're gonna have to spend a whole lot of time, <laughs> and we don't need to spend that much, that much longer. Um. Anyways, um, yeah, if you force press right there when you're looking at the podcast you're listening to and your play or pause button, um, you just force press there and you get a next podcast and a next and a previous podcast. And then if 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 you're inside of a chapter of a podcast, then you get a next chapter and previous chapter. Thank you. Thank you for saving me because I was like, I thought Philip had talked about this before and I'm not seeing it. And it really... It really goes to say, I mean, I even went on like Marco.org and looked at the Overcast 5.0 notes and I couldn't find it in there. I mean, maybe I just wasn't looking hard enough. That's 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 what's so hard, though, about software is features like that that are just not discoverable at all. Like how how would you even know? Like, how would you find that out? Philip? that's well, so. I th- I think it is I think it's Gruber that once said that if you don't find something on the watch, you just start force pressing like everywhere you can think of, and it's probably there. Um, and I've I've just started doing that. So I mean, a lot of times like I'll force press and it'll just kind of like spring back and be like, no, there's no force press anything here, and I'll be like, okay, come on. Anything else you want to talk about? It's been a while since we've talked. Uh, before you know, before we jump into our WWDC 19 rundown. I went to the Apple store and uh, tried out the iPod touch because new iPod touch came out and it has a one year better processor than my SE, which has the six S processor and the new iPod touch has the iPhone seven processor, which is the same processor. That's also in um, the the iPad um, for 329 that they're selling right now. So the A- A10. And those, I, I could definitely see myself, if if I do get a bigger phone at some point, I almost definitely will get an iPod Touch. Um, just for the, for the times and ways that I love to use my small phone. 
it would actually work really, really well. And it'd, it'd be a little bit better device. I mean, it's, it's thinner. Well, I say it's thinner. It's thinner, but it has the aluminum from the 6 and the 6S, which is the, the slickest aluminum ever. Even the SE has aluminum on the back, but it's not that same slickness. And it has some, some gla- I mean, glass at the very top and bottom of the back. But anyways, I, I don't know if I'd have to get a case for it. Um, I, I would definitely think about it. But even so, even if I put a case on it, it's probably still thinner than, than the SE um, is right now. So. Yeah, because you, you could just get one of those... You just get one of those really like thin, like uh, what are they like pill cases or something, you know? Yeah. Just for the grippiness. Right. I, I sent that, that to you as a joke, you know, that if you needed a new four inch device, you should get this iPod. And <laughs> unsurprisingly, you're actually considering it. Oh, when I saw it was updated, I was like, oh, this is the way forward. This is my future. Thank you, Apple. I mean, you know, it's a consolation prize. It's like, hey, you know, because the worst thing they could have done is to update the iPod Touch and make it as big as like the 8. Oh, it would have just killed my soul. I would have just been like, there's nowhere to go. So I, I, I like it. It's given me a little bit of an out. And that would have been absolutely ridiculous if they if they had made it bigger. In a way. I mean, I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, at the budget budget device that it, that it needs to be. It, it quite a bit would have. I, I have been thinking, so the one hangout that's crazy is that it doesn't have Touch ID, which is kind of just astounding. It is strange. But I don't know. I, I've, been, I've been meaning to turn off Touch ID on my phone at some point just to see, like, how much difficulty would that be, especially um, with the fact that, like, if it's my iPod Touch... I would probably just not have a passcode on it. I would just probably just go passcodeless on the iPod Touch and just call it a day. So, I mean, I, when I would log in, I would just hit the home button. Um, but there is a lot of stuff that, that uses Touch ID, you know, and Face ID for you within the interface when you're logging into stuff. And so that is nice. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, with the with passwords and keychain and how good that's gotten with the, with the keyboard support um, and, and that sort of thing, then it, it's, you know, pretty easy even, even if you don't use... Um, one of the IDs, but I'm, I'm glad that they have, uh, provided some sort of an out. I've, I've been thinking that this is probably the last OS that, that will be supported, that the SE will be supported for. I think iOS 13 is probably the last one. Um, I would guess that iOS 14 leaves the success and the, and the SE behind. I will say, I find it interesting that the iPad mini four so not the iPad Mini 5 that they just released, but the iPad Mini 4 has the same CPU. It has the A9 of the, or the A8, excuse me, the A8 of the 6, but the 6 doesn't support iOS 13, but the iPad Mini 4 does. And I guess maybe it's because it's got the A8X, so it's got a little bit higher clock. It's got a bit better graphics. I, I I learned this because I was talking to my dad who has an iPad mini four and loves the heck out of it. And I was, I've been preparing him for the fact that, that they're not going to release a new iPad mini. So I, I set, I set expectations correctly. Um, now he's, he's, uh, surprisingly happy that they released a new one. Um, he, uh, he said, you know, it still doesn't, I don't ever feel like this one's slow. So I'll, I'll hold off for a little while, but it's, it's good to know I have a place to go. You mentioned uh, budget devices earlier. One, one, one last thing that I've 
purchased since the last time that we had a podcast, which is like a, a month ago at this point. Uh, I bought the $329 iPad, 6th gen iPad. Oh, yeah. I got it for 250 because Amazon has it on sale all the time. And I've <laughs> I've been rattling this around in my head since we got it. I can't think of a better deal at 250 than that iPad for for what it is and what you can do with it and it's you know it has pencil support uh pencil first generation pencil support and the use case for us is it's being used um for school stuff uh, for the kids and it's just it is perfect for that and at that price man having an iPad like that that is still so feature rich and functional at $250 is just, it's great. So people out there, if you need an iPad, that that is still a really good iPad. And if you can get it at 250, it's a great iPad at that price. Yeah, I have the uh, the fifth generation. So it's it's the one just a year, a year before that with the A9 instead of the A10. And it doesn't have pencil support, which is honestly not that big of a deal for me because I don't have a pencil already like you do since you had it with the iPad Pro. And it, it really is probably not worth the the hundred dollars that it would cost. I don't think I would actually use it enough. So it's probably a good thing that I'm not tempted by that because um, mine just doesn't support it. So that works out well. Um, but I, I will say it, it astounds me that the original iPad nine years ago now um, started at $500, right? And yeah. at this point, like the, the base iPad that is plenty good is half that the actual price you're paying, which is just, it's pretty phenomenal. And then if you do want to go up to that price point, you get a really great iPad Air. Oh, man. That's just really yeah. powerful and can do... Um, Ten and a half inches. Yeah, I mean, it, they've, they've got so many options now in the, in the iPad lineup. And top to bottom, every one of them is great and has very... I'd say specific use cases, but it's really more like specific audiences more than the use case. Cause it's like people that just, it, it, you know, you just got to figure out, well, what are the things I'm going to do with it? I guess that is still use case based, but you know what I'm saying? It's really, to me, it's more like, I understand what you're saying. When I think about it, I think about certain people rather, I think about the people that would benefit from it more than like what they might specifically be doing. I don't know if that makes sense, but there's so many options now. And even two, three years ago, there just weren't as many options as, as you, as you have now. Like the phone should get five options for the phone. You got five options for the iPad. All right, man, you ready to talk about WWDC? Let's do it. 2019. Um, I took a lot of notes. I, I got to watch this in Mark's movie palace here at, here at work on campus in our little theater by myself. Nobody was there with me. Last year you were here, right? I were was. you here for, for WWDC? We watched that together, right? Or was it the fall uh, event? No, it was the, it was the iPhone. Yeah. Event. Okay. Well, it was weird being by myself, but also I kind of like being by myself. So, you know, it wasn't that weird, but, um, <laughs> Man, it was a. I, I expect these events to be two hours now. These keynotes, even in the fall. But I was when it was going 
over two hours. I was like, really? Is this is this still happening? And it, I think it tipped out at like what two fifteen. It was, it wasn't just a little over two hours. Like it went into that next that next uh, section. Um, yeah, I don't think they've ever gone more than like one, like maybe three minutes tops over that two hours. And and some years they're at like an hour fifty minutes even. It felt really long. <laughs> Um, but somehow still not as long as the, uh, the March event was with all the weird media stuff. So that, yeah, I don't want to talk about that again. Um, I'm just going to go in order. Uh, they, they come out and they, they, they mention this line of hardware, software, and services. And I'm like, that's, that's Apple, right? I mean, that the services thing is kind of still somewhat new, I guess. And they're adding more this fall, but uh, that to me, that's Apple in a in a nutshell, right? Hardware, software, services. They start with TVOS. Just the highlights here: multi-user support, which I I guess is good for. I think maybe for me, maybe there's a use case around like having a you know a, a me and Brittany profile and then having like a kids profile. I could see the benefit of that, but other well, like I don't think me and Brittany need different user profiles. The kids profile will be really nice because you really couldn't just hand your kid the remote in the TV app before that because it was their stuff, but it was also your stuff. So, you know, I mean, like, like my kids will just, I mean, sometimes like they'll get up in the morning and just turn on the TV and just go to Netflix and they choose the kids profile and then, you know, whatever's in there, they can watch it, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't worry about it. Um, but obviously if, if they didn't have a kid's profile and it was just like all this stuff, well, that could be problematic. Yeah. I wish, I wish Amazon had, and maybe they do and I just haven't dug into it enough, but I wish prime video had something similar because like there's still stuff in prime video that my kids want to watch, but I still have a passcode set because you know, reasons, and all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah, you just you just don't know. And and now both of both of the kids who can operate the remote know the passcode. So I'm not like now that's kind of even pointless. <laughs> I, I guess it would still prevent them from watching certain things even once they got in based on the ratings. But yeah, I don't that's know. That's true. Uh, they mentioned lyrics here, and they're they, they're going to mention it again when we get to iOS. But being able to play lyrics when you're playing music. Uh, through the music app on on uh, your Apple TV, which I I don't I mean I guess I guess there is an audience for that. I don't play music through the TV app, it real or through through Apple TV just because I, I have a HomePod. So, but having something like lyrics would really, I think, be a, a nice benefit. And then you know being able through AirPlay two to sync it up with the home pod i i'm excited about lyrics and even on the phone too with it being able to move as it's going uh, that is something simple but i'm really excited about that um, yeah, amazon then, music has had this for uh, a long while actually i mean two years ago probably when i was it doing an amazon music trial they've had you know lyrics that it moves along with you know stays live with whatever song you're listening to and i used to put it up you know while i was listening to it on my desk i would just you know prop my phone up and you could see what the lyrics were. And it's also interesting because 
we'll we'll see what what Apple does. I mean, we wouldn't be surprised if Apple just has a basic implementation because uh, they're always liable to do so. But within Amazon, you could like scroll the lyrics to go to a certain part of the song, which is really nice because scrubbing music is, is, is difficult sometimes, especially if you're looking for a certain part. So being able to scrub through the lyrics um, it, it was really nice when I was using Amazon Music. That would be cool. Um, and then the last big thing with tvOS, because there was really only like, these three things, uh, extended game controller support to Xbox and uh, PlayStation DualShock 4, which that's that's cool i guess i mean if you if you are someone who could see yourself playing some type of game on apple tv especially with the uh um apple arcade coming in the fall just the 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 barrier of having to find a controller that works is that's a mess but most people that would want to do this probably already have an xbox or have a a playstation 4 and have that controller that they can just sync up. And then also the benefits of this go beyond just tvOS uh, to, to iOS as well with remote play, um, which PS the PlayStation has a remote play app, but you can't use the can't use the the DualShock 4. All of that's gonna get better. And it was a surprisingly out of all the things mentioned, like this got a lot of audience reaction. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, obviously, it's it's great for Apple Arcade, Arcade I think, because it it enables a, a, a different type of game to be in in Apple Arcade. Simply just have, knowing that it could be played on a big screen with an actual good controller, uh, I think will really expand the types of games that could be in Apple Arcade. I'll I'll be interested to see if there's much cross-platform. Um, you know, if if any of the like EA Sports games are released on Apple TV, I don't think they have been to this point because so few people have a controller and you're not going to play any of those games with your right. touchpad remote. So, um, but as far as, um, as far as hardware goes, I know that like the 4K Apple TV especially has, you know, great hardware and, and I'm sure there'll be a new Apple TV here in a year, two or three that will have, you know, even better hardware. Um, so as far as just like processing power i think it has a lot you know probably it may have more than the switch you know not as much as the ps4 and xbox i would i would guess um but i i remember them i guess it was the ipad pro that they were talking about the ipad pro that they released in october where they had did an nba 2k demo i think it was showing um that it was you know basically console console quality um so eventually you know when that a12 makes it into the Apple TV, you know, two or three years, let's say, then, I mean, it could be, you know, it could, if it, I just don't know about the, the economics of that for EA. Cause obviously EA would rather sell you $60 games than whatever they would charge for, um, you know, within, within iOS. So we'll see if, if any of that comes to fruition. All right, let's move to watch OS. Um, a few new Apple, uh, created apps, audiobooks, voice memos, and calculator. I was kind of surprised voice memos wasn't already oh. on the watch. Uh, you have no honestly. idea how many times I've tried to create a voice memo and been rejected by Siri. Now, I don't. Obviously, we're talking about what's in WWDC, but you also got to talk about what's not in it, which is a notes app. Hopefully, next year is the year for a notes app to come out on the watch because it, it's honestly. I want that more than voice memos because I want to add to notes. 
Um, I don't want to have my separate thought that I had that I was typing about now in a voice memo instead of in the notes. So that seems like it'd be really basic. Um, and I don't understand why it's there, not there yet. And it almost makes me fear that like Apple has some sort of like, <laughs> you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ideological bent against a notes app on the watch for some reason, because it just seems like, why would they not have it yet? Which is very much like the voice memos app. But now that that's come, now that a calculator app has come, then you just, you just figure like, why? And I'm sure there are other third-party notes apps that have similar functionality in their watch apps. I would, I would assume. I don't use any third-party so. notes I'm, apps. I'm not sure. But obviously, that's probably just as worse as having it separately in voice memos and not, not within the note that I was just typing is to have it in a separate note in a separate notes app. That doesn't really help either so audiobooks voice memos calculator complete with tip calculations yeah girl that's what i want <laughs> i mean <laughs> i just want it that easy right right from my from my wrist so i don't have to pull out my phone and have that that moment of shame for not being able to calculate the tip on my own um it, it'll be a lot easier to to act like i'm doing something on my watch when i'm really calculating a, a tip um, a lot of talk, well, not a lot, but some talk here about independent apps, uh, which I think they, they're they laying the groundwork, right, for, and we're seeing this even in some of the betas for watchOS, where you can actually install some of these betas uh, to the watch itself, independent from the, the phone. I think, I think I saw an article about that the other day, uh, which I guess ultimately leads to expanding your audience for apple watch beyond just people that have have iphones i i uh we ended up giving our series zero watches to um some some friends a, a couple that we're friends with that neither one of them had watches and uh so we found a really good home for them but later i was telling my mom or she saw that, I, that we got new watches and she was like well why didn't I get your watch? And I said, well, you have to have an iPhone. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, good good point. Because she is just, she is uh, into that Samsung life and I don't know how to how to awaken her from that. But um, I think long-term, if they want to continue to grow, and it seems like we never get figures for, for Apple Watch, but it seems like it is growing, but ultimately, to grow it even further, at some point, they're going to have to detach it from the iPhone and, and really expand that audience. So we're starting to see them lay some of that groundwork here with things like independent apps and then um, being able to independently update the software on the watch itself, which, yes, that would be that would be great. I haven't had to yeah. update software yet on the Series 4, so I don't know how painful that process is with this better processor. So I will say that it's actually way better, but not necessarily because of the processor necessarily, but just because with watchOS 5, it will do it for you at night, like it like it mm. does for like it will do for you on the phone, um, which is even better on the watch because um, obviously, I mean, unless you're sleep tracking with your watch, which I've dabbled in, um, then you probably are charging it at night. And so... I mean, I would, I would go weeks sometimes with, before getting to like a, you know, point, point one update, you know, cause I was just like, I mean, I'll go, I'll go to it sometime, but it's never a good time to just have my watch just, you know, go, go around in a circle for 30, 45 minutes. 
So it's it's great that it'll just automatically do it for you at night now. Another indicator for independence, App Store coming to Apple Watch, uh, finally. Um, also, this new noise app, which seems really cool and um, seems like something that could help a lot of like musicians or just you know, if you're going to a concert. Although I don't really know what you do at that point. Like if you're already there, you're probably not going to do anything about it at that point. Uh, but still pretty cool. And, and I've seen some articles recently that it's really accurate um, in, in testing that people have been doing. Uh, cycle tracking coming for the, uh, the, the females. I loved... <laughs> I love that they didn't want Kevin introducing cycle tracking. Like he was out there, nerdy little Kevin man doing his thing. And then he immediately exits. They come in, they announce cycle tracking. And then he immediately comes back <laughs> after that. She, she, she announced more than cycle tracking, but you're right. There was, there was a element of that to it. It, it, it was, it was funny. It was funny. Uh, one of the really cool things that comes along with this cycle tracking stuff is the fertility window, right? Which, you know, a lot of people struggle with that and they have to keep up with that and just the ability to, it just makes it easier to, to do all that. Right. And not something that you're, you or I have to worry about anymore, thankfully. Correct. Uh, cause we are done. Um, but really cool thing that that's coming in watch OS six, um, so that's 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 really great. Uh, Too late, and then, Apple. Auto, I, and, and uh, automatic software updates on the watch was the last thing I wrote here, which, um, which going hand in hand with what you just talked about with being able to do it at night, that that is going to be a much better experience. <laughs> I one of the things that really cracked me up when I got the, when we got these new watches because Brittany got one too. It wasn't just me. We we went in together. Um, I forgot all about this until I opened the watches, but the fact that the charger for the stainless steel is, has that like stainless steel band around it instead of just the, the, you know, the, the non-stainless steel models have just the plain white charger. I was like, that is such an Apple thing to do. And I had completely forgotten all about it. I will, I'll make my complaint here. Compared to how insanely long the Series Zero chargers were, these new chargers are way too small. Or in, way too short, I should say. What They're is up with that? Where the, the original was two meters. I hate yeah. it. I it agree. Was, I mean, it's I, difficult, I, I, even I'm, on my nightstand. Yeah. Just, just that, like, what, two and a half feet, three feet? I don't know how how tall my nightstand is. It's, it's. it's that's I will hard. say, have, having an extra Apple Watch charger is really nice. Obviously, you don't have it because you gave away your your Series Zeros, and I assume you gave them chargers. I did. I was a good person. I didn't want to. I really wanted to keep so the the longer ones, but I hadn't thought about asking my parents about if they wanted to have my Series Zero. And because I'm just a neglectful person, then I still have my other charger. And it's really nice when we just go on like a weekend trip, not to have to like wind my watch charger up, take it, and then, you know, bring it all back and set it all back up. So I, I do enjoy that. That was kind of what we did, right? I kept I kept uh, my charger in my bag and then we just had one charger out at home and 
Brittany just didn't wear hers as much as I did, so it was it was just easy for hers to charge like before we went to bed and then I would just take it off, put mine on and in the morning I would swap them back out and by the time she'd get up it would be ready for her. Um so I was a little worried about that and I might actually get an extra one uh just to the thing is I would only use it when we go on trips because I don't really need it in my bag anymore because the battery life is so much better. I'm not having to worry about that battery management like I did with the Series 0, but it would be nice to just have one packed away for for when we go on trips, but um let's move to iOS 13. Uh they love to come out and do this thing with the numbers every time right about their install base 85% on iOS 12 uh the comparisons were you know I don't even remember, I didn't even write down what the comparison was but it's it's just laughable um uh, on Android uh then my boy Craig F- Federighi comes out um focus again this year on improved performance unlocking with Face ID now 30% faster that's exciting I don't know if that means for current uh, you know, current hardware. I always wonder when they say things like that. Should I just assume that they're talking about the 10s and the 10s Max? Um, what does that mean for the 10? Like, do, do I get 25% faster Face ID unlocking? I, when they make these statements, they're not always clarifying exactly what they what they mean. So it's hard to know sometimes. But 50% smaller app downloads, 60% smaller app updates. And this was the the craziest thing, and, and there was some really good discussion about this on the talk show uh, with Craig and and I can't remember the other person that was on with John Gruber, but two times faster app launch speed, and all of this is just coming through optimizations in the software. It's not necessarily the fact, you know, because this is going to be faster even on these older devices. That's a really cool thing that they're because they are putting this focus on improvements in performance, even for older devices, that they're still finding ways uh, to make the software more optimized and getting these huge uh, performance increases like that. It's really impressive. Super, super nice. And it, it, it even is doubles down on how valuable even their cheaper devices are and we were talking about this iPad for 250. Yeah. I mean you you're continuing to get software updates. It's continuing to get better. Um so it it really is a the the value proposition um especially for Apple's cheaper devices. There's a lot of things that you get whether you get the cheaper device or the most expensive device, you know, kind of all the same, which is which is great to have. And it was Greg Greg Joswiak is who was on uh, the talk show alongside Craig Federighi. Dark mode finally coming to iOS. We got it on tvOS, what, two years ago? And then we got it on macOS last year with Mojave, but finally coming to iOS. And I think it looks good. I mean, it's hard to say without actually getting in it. And no, I have not been crazy enough to download developer betas at this point. I know it's surprising. Um, But yeah, it it looks fine. You got to believe that with these OLED models, there's probably going to be some, uh, you know, battery benefit. Probably not super um, noticeable, but it's just little things like that. But it seems like people are just happy to finally have a native dark mode in iOS and not just app-specific dark modes. I I think it will be interesting to see how websites handle this. 
because if they don't handle it, then it's a much less useful feature as uh, uh, for functionality's sake rather than just design's sake. Um, obviously, I mean, some, some apps will look just nicer, even in the even in the light of day um, with the dark mode. But I, you know, I, I often would love to have a, a dark mode uh, when I'm, you know, reading web pages, you know, in the dark late at night or, or whatever it may be, um, laying in bed, you know, in the morning or the or the night. Um, so I, I know that there's the only way you get dark mode web pages on the Mac is with certain extensions at this point, right? Right. Yeah. You've really hit it on the head here because dark mode on Mojave is great, but you know, most people, if you're on Mac, you're spending a lot of time in browsers and uh, yeah, to your point, there really hasn't been any work there to at least natively within Safari do that. You, you have to get some kind of extension, which I did, um, when I when I finally did get to upgrade to Mojave, I downloaded um, an extension that's just called Dark Mode um, on the uh, on the App Store, and I used it quite a bit uh, at at first, and and I I liked it, but it was it just behaved differently based on a what site you were on, and luckily this extension has the ability to turn it on and off based on specific sites and you can say for the entire site or just certain pages in the site. So I liked that, but ultimately it just got to a point where I ended up turning it off because it was just more of a hassle continuously having to, to fight it. And then things like Gmail where you can actually kind of turn on a dark mode within Gmail. When I had that dark mode setting or that theme turned on in Gmail and then I had this extension on, it really messed things up and like buttons would disappear. And so I just, I used it, I played around with it for a few weeks and I did like it, but I ultimately just ended up switching back. And so I don't, I don't really know how they handle that in in Safari. So I heard rumors that maybe within WebKit there are, to this point, uh, rarely used components um, where I don't know with, with certain CSS tags maybe that uh, websites could try to try to basically read you know if you're running the web browser in dark mode and then give you a dark mode version of their browser um, so I mean maybe that's capable but I, I haven't heard that that's really gotten much better on Safari um, you know as far as with, without using an extension which isn't isn't possible at this point. A little talk about Calendar here. I don't remember anything that they announced because Calendar, like a lot of apps, they just went lightning fast through some of these because as you as we found out, <laughs> this this keynote was just way overpacked. But the one note I did make on Calendar was there was an there was a calendar item on there that just said binge black mirror and I thought I appreciate that. I appreciate that Easter egg. <laughs> uh, big one for you here, as as you are a Gboard user, swipe type finally coming natively in the iOS keyboard. What are you thinking here? Would you would you switch over to this? I'm excited to try it out. It really just depends on the suggestions, the autocorrect. Um, Google's unsurprisingly is really good, and 
I, it's been so long since I used apples that I don't know how quick type has improved or, or not improved. So we'll see. I'll definitely try it because there are definitely some, uh, some difficulties that third party keyboards have. Sometimes they, I mean, most of the time they work really well, but then sometimes it just will, um, will not quite work well and, and and you'll have to kind of swipe away the keyboard and just bring it back up like if, like in iMessage I'll start I'll hit the hit the text field to type a message and it'll bring up what doesn't look like Gboard because um, there are certain things within the Gboard within the Gboard keyboard that you would notice so it doesn't look like Gboard but when I when I hold down on the globe it says I'm in Gboard well I just swipe down push the keyboard back down, push the text field again, and then it's Gboard and it looks like Gboard and it behaves like Gboard. So there are definitely some some weirdness with third-party keyboards. Maybe that'll get better with iOS 13, which will help things, but I'll definitely uh, try um, try Apple's out because swipe typing on the on the SE one-handed is, is, is really nice. I mean, it's definitely the way that I type the most. Um, so I'm looking forward to trying that out. This has to be one of those one-handed typer things because I've just never never been interested in trying this or trying Gboard to get this feature. I, I think I just have a philosophical problem with one-handed typing and <laughs> we've gone over that plenty of times. I just can't, I don't know, I just can't, I can't do it. Um, music app, the big thing here, which we kind of already alluded to in the tvOS section, time sync lyrics, which is going to be really cool. I use, I look at the lyrics... In Apple Music, all the time, and I actually get really frustrated when songs don't have it. I don't, I don't know how they're pulling that in, what they're using. There was some really interesting uh, news this week about uh, Genius Lyrics being uh, uh, just aped by Google and <laughs> them tricking them and all that. I don't know if you saw any of that, but um, sometimes I wonder. Uh, basically, Genius was able to prove that Google was just straight up stealing their lyrics in to display in, in Google search results so that people were no longer going clicking on genius links. They would just see, see the lyric results right on the Google search results. And, uh, they did it by inputting some very specific, um, I think patterns of like apostrophes and back ticks and things. And then it would show up and, <laughs> and I think it was Morse code for red handed is what it spelled <laughs> when they did it. So it's a really interesting story. Uh, we'll, I'll try to remember to put that in the, uh, in the show notes, but sometimes lyrics don't populate in Apple music and it, it frustrates me, but time sync lyrics will be great. Um, I just, I put reminders, but they went through it so fast. I I just couldn't, I couldn't process it fast enough to <laughs> write notes down. But it, essentially, reminders is getting kind of that notes refresh that we got a, a few years ago, where there, it, it seems to be coming a more fully featured. I don't know if robust might be too strong of a word, but more of a to to do app, um, which you know. We really needed another one of the one of those, but uh, I'm excited to try I, it out. I love, I love reminders. I, I use reminders a lot, and it's not very good. And so I really hoped that they would make improvements. And uh, honestly, I think just having like a, a fresh new code base in certain places will help a lot because there are just some weird bugs and reminders that I run into maybe because of the number of reminders I have in there. Um, I don't know if I 
running. I'm just kind of running into edge cases. But for instance, when, when I have a notif when I have a reminder notification, and I uh, swipe over or, or first touch and and choose to view the reminder, then it opens up the reminders app, but it just stays at the top of the list. Yeah. And so I have to scroll down to where that actual reminder is. Um, I have noticed that on, on my iPad, it doesn't do that. It'll, it'll scroll to the, to the right position and, and show me that reminder. So I'm hoping that a little cruft like that will be, um, will be cleaned up, which would be really nice. Yeah. Mac stories had a really good, uh, preview of reminders, uh, this week. I'll, I'll try and throw that in the show notes as well. Um, uh, maps, they've been talking about maps for, seems like a couple of years now getting this big refresh, uh, and they they came out and said entire U.S. by the end of 2019. Originally, last year when they talked about it, it was just what like the the valley, right? San Francisco. I mean, yeah, I mean it. Um, but they're saying they'll they'll have this this new uh, refresh for the entire U.S. by the end of 2019. I still just wonder: Will Maps ever be as good as Google Maps in ways? Like what what do they have to do? for me to finally give them another shot. I, I Like for a lot of people, they just get the shot because they're the default app. But for people who are a little more, um, a little more selective of how certain things, how certain apps work, I just, I don't know what they can do for me to go back. I mean, they're obviously their differentiator that they push and they pushed it here, um, is, is privacy, uh, you know, they're not selling your location data to anybody. Um, and so, I mean, that's their differentiator. If it, if it gets as good functionally as Google maps in ways, then I would love to use it, but I just, I'm very skeptical that it will ever be that good. <laughs> I'll say that maps in CarPlay is, is really the only time I use it, but I assume it's really the similar interface to what's on the phone. To me, it has the best, uh, interface uh, for traffic um, because for instance so I use Waze and and maps like on my way to work and on my way back from work I'm always running Waze and maps um, for for the commute because Waze will just give me alerts just notifications at the you know notification bars at the top of CarPlay um, for police or for crashes or for objects on the road or cars on the side of the road so it's great for that but it doesn't it doesn't make it really easy to see little you know parts of the highway that are going to slow down which apple maps is really great about that because it just changes the color to yellow or red if it's really bad um so it's really really easy to see you know and it shows you i don't know a mile two or three ahead of you within the within the map ui and it i like the, to me the ui fits just ios a lot better google maps it just feels like their colors are just very i mean they're that very like high contrast saturated um type of type of colors that, that the pixel is is known for and i don't know it just it just feels kind of kind of weird to me um but i i will say that i i use it i use it for that and so i'll, I'll definitely be excited with the with the newer maps coming location services big mention here was um improving just basically trying to make you aware of how frequently apps are using location services specifically around background tracking alerts. And, um, the, the big thing they mentioned here was 
the ability to see apps that are using Bluetooth in the background, which if you see Marco Arment's uh, tweet this week, that he's been keeping a list of, of all the apps that have been using it for no reason. Um, well, I mean, there are reasons why they would do this, but not any good reasons why uh, apps would, would need to do this as often as they are doing it. So really interesting honestly, thing there. Even even for a person like mostly me, that I don't I don't worry that much about privacy in that way. I mean, but honestly, I think this should help battery life because if you have if you have apps that are using Bluetooth for no good reason, well, they're using Bluetooth, which is not not nothing for your battery. So yeah, that's true. Interesting to see if that if that helps a little bit. Um, big login announcement, sign in with Apple. They're going to use random forwarding email addresses, uh, which is a really, really cool way to, to do this. And um, just more around security and privacy. A uh, little, I, I don't have any HomeKit stuff. They did mention secure video, being able to, uh, you know, a lot of these services that you use like Ring or Simply Safe, you can store recordings for a certain length of time. Uh, but like it's all in the cloud and what are people, <laughs> what are these companies doing with that? Um, so HomeKit secure video, but they're the list of manufacturers here is just, it's just not a very extensive list. And it, and it's obviously <laughs> none of the big names like ring or simply safe were, were mentioned here. So I just don't, I don't know how much this will really take off just like HomeKit never really has taken off. To the potential, I think Apple would would want it to. Uh, Memoji stickers. This is the Bitmoji killer. I, I guess I might use this about as much as I use Bitmoji, so probably not not very much. Um, photos, easy fo- easier photo editing. Just the way it's built in, you know, into the interface seems exciting. I I don't do a lot of photo editing on device. Uh, video editing, editing though, first time being able to rotate video, which seems like such a simple thing, uh, but he, you know, here it is finally, iOS 13. <laughs> AirPods uh, share audio. That's really cool. I'm I'm excited about that. I you know we we talked about whether or not there's room for AirPods in my life anymore. I think there's definitely room for AirPods in Brittany's life whether I end up getting them or not, but that would be a really cool thing to have, being able to share audio across two separate uh, AirPod uh, pairs. So pretty neat. Um, there were some mentions about HomePod improvements in terms of handoff between you know, your phone and HomePod when you get home. Radio announcements. Do people still listen to radio? I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine that people do, but I guess that's a thing. Um, HomePod will be able to recognize who's talking and personalize responses, uh, including taste profiles for music, which if you are an Apple music, uh, user, uh, this is, yeah, this is, this is great. Uh, I think this could be a really cool thing. My stations are pulverized. They're so confused. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much, like, what have I been listening to lately? I've been listening to a lot of like nineties rock. And then my wife has been listening to the new Jones Brothers album. 
And so, honestly, all those For You playlists are largely worthless. It's just... Um, big Siri improvements uh, for, for shortcuts, suggested automation, which sounds cool. Uh, but then this improvements to just how Siri sounds. I mean, they've they've continued to do this. Really, the last last year there was a big push on this as well. But um, they called it neural text to speech to create just more natural sounding responses. And I gotta say, it was really it was pretty impressive hearing that uh, example on stage. It, re- it just really did sound less robotic. I may not have taken any notes for CarPlay. You probably didn't. Well, they they just kept going so fast. It was really, it was crazy. I couldn't keep up. What was new in CarPlay? There's a a huge update to CarPlay. This is really the first major update to CarPlay. For one, there's a kind of a split screen now that um, CarPlay will most often be in, which will have your navigation on the left-hand side of the screen, and then you'll still have like your audio controls and notifications on the right-hand side of the screen. So, I mean, previously it's just it's just one one screen, one app, um, like you know iOS has been um, for years and years and years. And so you you know if you're trying to control playback or trying to look at your maps, you'd be going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I'm really, really happy to see that improvement. Siri improvements are that when you're showing navigation and you use uh, and you hit your Siri button that you have in the car, then it will, it will not take the navigation away and make the screen black with just the little um, audio colors at the bottom. It'll have the visual indicator come on at the bottom, but it'll just keep the, keep the navigation up. That seems useful. Which is excellent. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be really interested to see if it ducks the audio um, there. Because one, one of the great things about, about CarPlay is that when, you ha- when you're running navigation and you are playing music, then if you have navigation set to, to tell you turn by turn, then when it tells you turn by turn, it does that in the, in the front speakers. But the back speakers of your car keep playing music. And it's honestly really, really nice. Yeah, so it's not, that's you know, awesome. It's not this like cut cut in and out sort of thing um i don't think i think the last time i tried to do this with overcast it it doesn't work that way i don't know i i honestly i only ever use it on my commute so i don't have it tell me turn by turn because that's just really annoying because i know where i'm going i just want to know if there's traffic um that's all i really care about it's a good facelift for music showing album art rather than all they have right now is just a list of artists or a list of albums. It's just all text all the time. Um, so that'll be, that'll be really nice. Um, the new maps obviously will be a huge part of CarPlay. And also the biggest thing is that right now when you're running CarPlay, you have your phone plugged in for CarPlay and whatever app you have on CarPlay is on your phone and vice versa, whatever app you have on the phone is on the car is on CarPlay. They are just completely tied together, which means that all the time I'll be running navigation, and Blair will pick up the phone to change the music. So she'll hit the home button, she'll go to the music app, and that makes CarPlay go to the music app, even though she's not controlling it there. She's controlling it on the phone, but it makes my navigation go away. And then I hit the navigation button on CarPlay and she goes, hey, what are you doing? I'm changing the music over here. So uh, at long last, you'll be able to run a different app on the phone as you're showing on 
CarPlay, and that would be wonderful. Yeah, quality of life improvements for the, you know, tens of people that have CarPlay out in the world. More and more every single day. It's I would love weird. to have it. I would love to have it, but the odds of me having a car that's new enough to have it at some point, I mean, we're probably talking a decade from now. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to be a while. <laughs> uh, let's talk iPad OS really quickly. Tighter icon grid. Uh, which, well, first off, iPad OS, totally new, thing, <laughs> totally new thing here. Um, it's still iOS 13, but a variant for iPad, which makes total sense. And I think really tells people that, hey, we're going to give iPad more love more frequently than every other year <laughs> in, in our iOS updates. So that's good. Tighter icon grid, which I think looks really neat. And part of the reason they do this is because of the ability to to pin widgets into the home screen on the left side which i think is going to be a really big boost to productivity for and well maybe for the first time people will start using widgets i guess <laughs> maybe um maybe people will give that a try um apps the switching. huge thing about the tighter oh. huge yeah, thing about ahead. the tighter icon grid is that you have more icons more more app more apps that's true are going to be on the screen and it's x by x i think it's 6 by 6 on the 12.9 i don't know if that i don't know if it's 6 6 by 6 on the 11 inch or or how it plays out but as far as i know it's 6 by 6 or 5 by 5 or 4 by 4 on each one of your different size ipads which means that when you go portrait and landscape they stay in the same place it's a revolutionary concept that's cool yeah, which that is, is cool. Honestly, it's going to be just a, a really nice thing to have. Yeah. Uh, it, improvements here to app switching. If you're in slide over, they've added this slide over fan, which is basically is, um, you know, app switching the way it works on the, f the phone. But now you have that same functionality in, in the slide over. So be able to quickly get back to other apps in slide over, I think is going to be a really nice as someone who uses an iPad very frequently during the work week for meetings, and I can I can really see the benefit of improving that piece of multi uh, multi app support in um, iPad OS multi window split view support. So now you can have, which you could already do this with Safari, but now they're expanding this to all the other apps as well, so that you can have you know, two separate Word documents up at the same time, which I think was is actually a really good use case uh, for something like that. Improvements to files, it really looks like Finder now, basically. Um, and the ability to pull USB drives and SD cards directly into the, the Files app, um, which I really, I guess I got to get a USB-C jump drive now because that sounds amazing. For several reasons, because that's all I have on my MacBook, and now you know I'd be able to use that on the iPad as well. Uh, desktop class browsing, really nice thing here. Just finally being able to make sure, because there's even even for me, like with these enterprise uh, platforms that we use, like Jira and and things like that. It just on the iPad, it just doesn't quite look and feel right all the time. Um, so I'm excited uh, to have that. And, and I guess the ability, too, to 
decide at a site level which which version you want to force um, within Safari. Download manager, it's just it, this is not the iPad of of our youth, Philip. That's that's basically all I can say about this. They they do introduce some new multi uh, uh, multi finger gestures like three finger swipes. Uh, so no, no more shaking that iPad for for undo, which was really funny. But I don't know, man. I think that's gonna take me a while to really really get that down. It just thinking about it in my head, it just seems like not a supernatural motion, but maybe it'll feel better once I start actually doing it. I think it'll become really natural when once you get used to it. I think it'll be really nice because I mean if you don't have a keyboard, I mean whenever you're using the iPad without a keyboard, it is such a pain to copy and paste things, especially now that you can drag and drop stuff that like, if you move your finger any, and then you like start dragging <laughs> the text that you're trying right. to copy or, you know, it, it's, a, it's kind of a mess. They've, they've got a whole lot of, of, uh, UI all, all crammed together. So it's like, if you don't hold down for exactly the right amount of time, then you end up doing something else that you didn't want to do. Um, so I think, you know, using more fingers, I'm, I'm all for it. And one thing that I don't think got mentioned in the keynote, maybe it didn't, I just missed it, but the uh, new accessibility feature for um, for mouse support. So, I mean, it, it, from what I've heard of how it behaves, it's like maybe the cursor is a little too big, but I haven't actually tested it yet, so it's, it's hard to say. And, and I, I just don't know if it's something that I would really use, uh, but it's there for people that want that more traditional uh, input uh, device. Well, it answers your age-old question of why would I want to plug my iPad into a large screen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's because true. If you if you can control it with a with a mouse now, that's much more you know, viable prospect. One thing we didn't talk about uh yet in the iOS uh which I guess I haven't talked about it yet cuz it, it's it's really mentioned in macOS, but this um, what did they, what did they, the voice control, it's just, oh yeah, insane. Um, and the fact that it works across Mac OS and iOS and just what a video, man, it was, that was, that was a, that was a, just a really cool thing. Being able to completely control these devices, uh, with your voice it's it's, it's neat. Um, I guess I, I wrote that down in the Mac OS section, but, uh, just thinking about it here with these iOS announcements. Um, you ready to move on to the Mac? Because there, <laughs> there's some big stuff in the Mac. Well, what did they do with the Mac, Levi? Well, they they returned to a, a gentler time, a, a time of cheese graters. Let's say, uh, man, as soon as they as soon as they revealed this Mac Pro, just immediately i'm like okay they they did it they just went they just full-on went back to the cheese grater tower right i mean that's essentially what they did with this design all about modularity and flexibility before we jump into some of these crazy stats what do you think about the look of this mac pro and and also this pro display which we'll talk about some more just visually what did you think when you first saw it 
I thought it looked interesting. I thought it definitely a little odd. Having heard now that it looks and just like the feel of looking at it is a little different when you can look at it in like in front of you at all sorts of different angles. I could definitely understand that it would be that way because when you just see one constant uh, like angle of those holes, then it does just seem kind of odd. But I think if you moved, if you moved around and saw the holes in, in different ways, uh, I think it could be a little, a little less odd. I, I got a lot of pushback from super fan friend of the show, Justin. He described it, and I quote, as fugly, <laughs> which is not a word I use very frequently. Um, in fact, I don't think I've ever said that out loud until just now. But uh and and I I don't I don't completely disagree with him, but my my take on it is First of all, it's it's all about function, right? I mean, it's this, this lattice design is all about being able to create some really intense airflow through there, but keeping it quiet. Um, and and the other thing is, it's gonna sit under a desk for most people. I I would I would think so. Really, all you're gonna see, if you do see anything, is the monitor, which only like ten people are gonna be able to buy that thing or should buy it. And if they do, it's probably going to be mounted because nobody's going to be able to buy the the, the mount that, the Apple design. So I just feel like you're never going to see these these lattices, really. I mean, I, I think most people who get this, you're probably not going to have it laid out in a way where people are really going to see it. So I, I just, I don't really, I'm not hung up on the way it looks other than I do feel like visually it's kind of a like a pacifier to all the pro people who are like okay I get it they went back to the cheese grater it's it's a uglier version of it but hey that's what they did I mean like you just see it and you think okay this is this is the Mac Pro I know and love it's not the trash can anymore it's it's back to the design that uh, that that I I would want as a pro. So I don't know, man, it, it is kind of strange looking, but man, yeah, it, it is, it's it is very much a, it is very much a design that's built to be used rather than seen, which is what we always want from Apple is to, you know, put, put function over form and they've done it. So don't look at gift cards in the mouth. Modularity and flexibility you can get up to 28 core Intel Xeons, 300 watts of power, a massive heatsink. You can upgrade up to 1.5 terabytes of, of RAM. I don't know why anyone would would need that. Uh, I can't wait to play with the uh, the website when it when it's available for order to see exactly where this thing's going to max out. I I just can't imagine what the max price would be for one of these things. It's going to be insane. Um, a I lot wonder, of I would really love them to design Mac OS so that you could get a terabyte and a half of RAM and just not even put a hard drive in it and, and just and just run off of RAM. I just think that'd be amazing to do. <laughs> that, would, 
that's a funny way. I mean, with how incredibly just well, I'm gonna save it. I'm just, I'll save it. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a, a a more amusing take than even you re- realize it. It is. Uh, the, they called it the most configurable, expandable, and powerful Mac ever. And I, I really think that's what they were aiming for here, right? Was That was exactly what they needed to do uh, after the whole debacle with, with the trash can Mac. And, and, man, they did it. Well, then they come out and talk about this Pro Display XDR. 1,000 nits, full screen brightness, can run at that indefinitely. It also has the lattice design on the back because as bright as it's, it's able to run, you, you got to have some airflow through there. Uh, but they really compared it to these uh, these like professional monitors that professional video people use like out in the field and um, in editing as well, which I'm like, how many people really need something like that? And I think that's where people are really getting lost with all of this is this isn't for, honestly, it isn't for you. And I'm using you like very expansively there. It's for a very small amount of people, the display and the the machine itself. Like people are losing their minds about the price and I get it, but what they designed this display for, it's not aimed at really hardly any pro users. If you consider yourself a pro user, it's it's really designed for a very specific subset of pro users. And I get it. It's crazy. Apple pricing is always nuts. But this display, I, I'm a little, I'm frustrated because they didn't need to do they didn't need to go as hard as they went on this display, right? Like I think so. I don't. I don't think there's any reason why they can't make this display or shouldn't make this display. I just think that there's room in the lineup as well for a, a computerless iMac. Yeah, uh, you know, 5K display and a computerless iMac 4K display. So I'd, I'd love to see those. Who knows if we will. Um, but, you know, I always love more options in, in the lineup, and hope, hopefully we'll see that because, we, I mean, I'd love to see Apple sell a display that's, that's more in line with most people's needs. Um, I, I do think that, that this Mac Pro and, and, and the display to boot show that Apple is not interested at all in any sort of near-term future of making the, of making the Mac and Mac OS any less capable than it ever has been. And I think that that is, I mean, I guess the iMac Pro should tell you that too, but I mean, this machine times 10, obviously, just shows you that they intend for Mac OS to be doing much more than iOS ever can or ever ever will be able to do for these truly professional uses. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine just how great it would be if you're a real you know production video, uh, you know, or you know real high level video producer to to use this sort of hardware you know and and the display would be awesome uh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a like a dream workstation here I, I would i would think um and and now i i just think we don't have the full story yet really i i think in the fall we're going to get I, I think we're going to get maybe a new MacBook Pro i think we're going to 
probably get new iMac Pros uh, as well. And so I feel like maybe there's more to this display story from Apple that we just don't see yet because I'm kind of thinking maybe if we do get a revised iMac Pro in the fall, maybe it will have some advances to the display in that, but obviously not as far as they go with this Pro Display XDR, but still significant improvements to where it kind of becomes clearer uh, for some folks of, well, okay, an iMac Pro really is the best option for me. And, you know, I, I don't need to go up to this Mac Pro and, and Pro Display XDR. It's not quite what you're saying of, you know, give us some better options for a, a screenless Mac, right? But I, I don't know. I just feel like there's more to this overall strategy than we know yet just because we we're, we don't have the full picture of of what an updated iMac Pro would look like next to the Mac Pro in this insane uh screen the pricing i I have some i have some hope there because i guess the the biggest thing in my mind is that uh macbook pro 15 inch macbook pro in particular and an external display to use when i'm at my regular desk you know and and a laptop to take around um to wherever wherever i go with it is just an incredibly popular type of Mac user. And so to to not give that type of Mac user a great display to plug into for for a great price, it's not that this is going to be cheap if they come out with a computerless, you know, an iMac. It's just it's just the display. Um but I mean even if you charge a lot, it's going to be way less than 6,000, 7,000, right. you know, $8,000. $8, so um so I, I I would love to see you know when when they come out with this this rumored 16 inch MacBook Pro that hopefully because to me it's it's a much it's a much more nonsensical sell to say buy this computer for twenty five hundred dollars and then buy this six six seven eight thousand dollar monitor I, it makes just a little more sense to say because. The MacBook Pro is going to be bought by a lot more personal customers, whereas the majority of Mac Pros will probably be bought by big enterprise companies. I would guess not. Not that there aren't going to be a lot of, of personal buyers there too, but I, you know, a, a lot of that work is being done by big companies. They're going to buy you know fleets of them basically. But the MacBook Pro is a completely different story. Yes, there's lots of companies that buy MacBook Pros for their employees, but there's a whole lot of just personal users just buy a macbook pro and you know use it as their computer for four or five six years but would want a display to to plug it into when they're you know at home at a desk um so we'll see we'll see if that comes to fruition mac pro starting at 5999 and the pro display xcr four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars if you get the uh the i forget what they called it decent amount well not not that the 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 like non-reflective amounts two hundred dollars Scro- i haven't the, even oh, got the, to the, uh, the yet <laughs> i'm sorry so the uh the micro etched glass matte display right called that yeah so that's an extra thousand dollars so that's five thousand nine ninety nine and then yeah the the mount discussion which they just glazed over as quickly as they could a thousand dollars for the pro stand 
the Apple is designed, or you can get the Visa mount for two hundred dollars. Um, booze in the crowd, man. When they just they just went over, they went past that as fast as they possibly could, and for good reason. Um, yeah, it's insane. But again, I think most people that would be buying this display, one, they either already have a mount solution in place. I mean, I think about our our standing desk that we have here at work. They already have mounts. So, I mean, like, you wouldn't need to get this pro stand if you were going to use it. Most likely, you wouldn't need to get it. You would already have some kind of option. I just feel like they should just throw it in, though. I why charge two hundred dollars for for this this adapter? I, just throw it in. I mean, come on, like I, that. That's me, the part that bothers real, me. Yeah, to me, it's a real own goal to just not own it and say the display is six thousand or seven thousand for for the matte display, and then reveal in November because it's one thing about both of these, the display and the Mac Pro, is that they're not coming until later this year probably November or December, most likely. Um, and so reveal in November or December when they, you know, actually release them that you can save 800 bucks if you don't want the stand, right? If you don't need the stand. So to me, that would just be a, so much better of a story because people would get used to the fact that they're six and $7,000. I mean, what's really, honestly, when you're looking at, at the display, it's just when you, when you just put that stand and, and, just individualize it that way. It just makes it so yeah. blatant. It's just bad. How expensive this is. And what really, what frustrates me even more than the display, crazy display price, is that starting config for the Mac Pro is garbage. It's yep. garbage. The The SSD is insane. It's It should come Dude. with a terabyte at least. And it starts at two fifty six. Yeah. That's that's just yeah. insanity. That that bothered me way more than the display. Anything about the display did. Maybe mad. yeah. I I, I can't understand because I'm thinking of all the all the areas where where MacBook Pros, the venues where the MacBook Pro would be the computer to have are. Oh, all of them use an enormous amount of storage. Yes. So, so I don't understand. Um, I don't understand why anyone would ever. Because to me, the base configuration can be low, but should always be for that machine a, a reasonable uh, use for someone that would want that machine. You know, I mean, like the MacBook Pro starts at one twenty-eight gigabytes, but honestly, there are there are a, a good number of you know just non-advanced users that will do fine you know for for a good while with just 128 gigabytes that are more just like web-based you know they're just keeping things in dropbox and that sort of thing so that seems totally feasible to me but i don't i can't think of i would be very it'd be very very interesting to find out what we'll never find out which is how many base mac pros they ever sell like it could be I don't know. It could, it could be very, very few. Yeah, it, I I just don't understand it. I I really, and I get they've got the ability to expand and, you know, like people will be able to add in 
storage on their own, but I just, come on, this is ridiculous. I mean, the iMac Pro starts with one terabyte. Like to me, if I'm looking at these options, well, and, and granted, my use case is very different than what actual super professionals might be, but to me, an iMac Pro is a much better overall bang for your buck than than this Mac Pro because guess what? You get this Mac Pro, you still don't have a display, <laughs> and I mean, the iMac Pro display is is great, and and you're gonna have way more storage starting off. I, I just I just don't. I don't get it at all. It it really, like I said, I mean, that, that really bothered me more than how ex- crazy expensive the display was in, in the pro stand. <laughs> like, that base config it yeah. should just be so much better. Yeah. I guess, to me, where it, where it is an easy sell is when the type of work you're doing, the type of, like, video encoding that you're doing, you're going to save literal time every single day of your employees that you're paying enormous salaries to so that it very, very quickly adds up to way more than 10 or $20,000. You know, the amount of time that you can save. So the amount of work that they can get done between the the max that an iMac pro could give you versus you know, whatever level you want to take the Mac pro up to. But it does just seem like if you are in on the Mac pro alone, ignoring the display, then to make it better than the iMac Pro for you, you're you're if it's better, then it's because you're going to make it way more than the base configuration is. It's because you're going to really use that expandability, which is going to take you north of ten thousand dollars very very yeah. quickly. Yeah, and darn near close to twenty thousand if you really need. You know, if you want internal storage, if you want a large amount of RAM. I mean, this, that, and the other. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean it'll, it'll be interesting to see how many how many they they sell and how how committed they they stay to it. But I mean it does seem like a, a machine that has staying power. The next version of macOS is going to be called Catalina. iTunes being split up into Apple Music, Podcasts, and TV. I've already had to tell multiple people that iTunes is not going away. People don't read beyond the headlines. Um, man, the funniest moment it's not, in this it's not keynote going away on Windows at all. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and yeah, these people they they don't have Macs, so what do they care? Uh, the the funniest moment in the keynote was when Craig was talking about iTunes and <laughs> kept adding all the functions to it. That I laughed really hard. <laughs> um, sidecar coming to Catalina, which will allow you to use your iPad as a second display for your Mac and use the pencil for input which i think is really neat i i out of all the things they mentioned in catalina i think that's probably my favorite uh new thing to try um we didn't get to talk about find my you know kind of becoming an all-in-one solution not just for finding friends but your devices all in one doing some really cool things uh, by using other ios devices um Activation lock sounds really great if you lose one of your devices. Screen time coming to the Mac. Uh, But the big thing with Catalina is Project Catalyst, which is kind of Apple's multi-year process of bringing iOS apps into macOS. And they're starting here in Project Catalyst with iPad apps. And I think the most surprising thing to me, I don't know how you feel about this, but I... 
I was really encouraged by what they were showing because they didn't look like they didn't look like iPad apps fully. They definitely have the capability and the options in place to make it look more like a Mac app and I was encouraged by that because I don't think just putting iPad apps on Mac OS really is a is a good long-term solution. It would it would be beneficial to some extent. I mean, there's some apps that you would just want, you know, period, rather than not having them at all. And that would it would just be nice to have them. I do think it's really promising that the music app is not a Catalyst app and the podcasts app is a Catalyst app. And they look extremely similar and they seem to work very similarly. So I, I think it shows that the, a Catalyst app absolutely can work just like any any mac os app would work now how much how much work that is is requires the developer to do beyond um just the basics that the very very basics that you would have to do to let your essentially ios app run on the mac i don't know how much more it will be and um i think we'll we'll see based on uh third-party apps and and how they look coming from from ios i do think it'll also help the iPad because I think the iPad could get some apps this way that it doesn't even have yet um, or, or better versions of it, you know, more, more design put it, put into them than just, you know, Hey, I have an, I have an iPhone. I should have it on the iPad too um, with, you know, kind of a blown up design. I think the blown up design is going to be a lot more noticeable on a Mac. And so hopefully that, that lends itself to a little, a little better, you know, a little better UI maybe on larger screens that'll come for some apps. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective of it could actually help the iPad as well. I think most people are just looking at, oh, this is going to be great for the Mac. Um, but for it to be great for the Mac, people have to do the work on iPad OS first, right, to get it to a good place to then bring in through Project Catalyst. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um I did you know our you know our man uh Mr. Bart, the uh what's a good way to describe Bart? He is he holds the keys to happiness uh here where where I work in terms of the toys I have access to. And uh I did go ahead and set a Slack reminder um to to message Bart on April 1st and uh, remind him that I need, I need uh, that Mac pro. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I, I don't know. I'm he, he, oddly he's a, hopeful. He's a lot like Santa Claus, right? He does like being Santa Claus. And I have called him that several times. I, I've told him you are the Santa Claus of Axiom and uh, his beard is getting wider. Uh, you know, every year it's not as full. Uh, and he he stays way more physically fit than than Santa, but but maybe he'll just give that up someday. I don't I don't know. Um, I'm thinking if I aim for a Mac Pro, maybe I'll end up with an iMac Pro and and be happy. What's the saying like, uh, you know, aim for the moon and you'll land among the stars or some some nonsense like that? I think it's shoot for the stars you'll at least end up on the moon or something like that. Oh, see? Well, yeah, I had it completely star, star, backwards. Star, star, stars are stars are further than the moon. Well, science, uh, well, science 
the end of this episode. All right, Interstellar. Okay, yeah, let's let's, let's talk about that. I haven't seen Interstellar. Spoiler oh my alert. Gosh, oh my gosh, I I listened to a podcast this week about Interstellar, and I've only seen it one time, but I loved it, and it just made me realize that I need to go back to it and watch it again. Um, and I, I went and listened to the soundtrack when I got these new Sony's and it, it's just incredible. Um, the soundtrack's really, really good. And man, I want to, I want to watch it. You need to watch it. It's, 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 it's really, it's a head trip, but it is, it's, uh, it's good. Especially if you like Christopher Nolan movies, I think you, you gotta, you gotta go down that path. Um, yeah. We could talk about it. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of things we need to watch, I've watched the first new episode of Black Mirror. There's only three in this new batch. I started on the second one. Um, So I'm thinking, give me a week. I'll probably be be through it all. But it didn't seem like you had started at all. So I have not yet, but you're... uh... Your message intrigues me. Yeah, this I don't want to spoil anything, but man, this first this first one really it just really made me that, sad. I don't think that spoils anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. think it spoils anything to say. Hey, 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 just so you know, don't want to spoil anything, but this Black Mirror episode, kinda depressing. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's spo- it spoils it to say Hey, you should watch a uh, it episode because it's the one sort of happy one. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, so San Pellegrino. I can't. I was. I wanted to say San Bernardino, but that's a whole. That's a whole other different yeah. depressing it's thing. Sa- I like saying something. So Interstellar is, is streaming on FX now. So I'll, I'll I'll see if I can get around to watching that. San Junipero. San Junipero. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah. This, uh, well, no, I'm not going to say because I don't want to spoil anything. The, but this first one, kind of similar setup as San Junipero. But I don't know what it was, man. That, it just that, That's too much. It just much. really makes me sad. I, I, I don't know. Like, more sad than any Black Mirror episode has ever made me feel. I don't know. Hmm, I don't know why. I can't explain it. I mean, I guess I will explain it if we ever talk about it. But <laughs> you gotta watch it. You'll first. Find a way. Yeah, before we can talk about All right. it. All right, man. If you, if you, dear listener, have never watched Black Mirror, watch White Christmas. Is it season two, episode four? Uh, I, I don't know Netflix. how to classify it because it was like the Christmas special. So I, I mean, no, I guess in Netflix, listed on Netflix. Yeah, the way it's in, yeah, you're probably right. I I don't know, but it is by far and away. Levi, I think both of our favorite. Levi, Levi, I don't know if it's my favorite. It maybe it's definitely way up there. But I do think that starting out with it was great. It's a great one to start out with, and you did me that service, and I thank you. Uh, you know, if I'm not here for that, I don't know why I'm here. Man, that was dark. Seems like a good place to end. Black, Black Mirror always takes it there, man. <laughs>